everyone, and welcome to From Tip to Tail, a podcast dedicated to animal welfare. This podcast is sponsored by Cuddly. Cuddly is the only crowdfunding platform built specifically for animal welfare organizations worldwide. I'm Bridget. And I'm Sydney. We've spent years working with animal rescues and have seen such amazing innovation, strength, and heart. Having this personal connection with rescuers has made us more informed, grateful, and inspired. We hope by giving you an inside look, you will be too. Today, we're going to be speaking with Gail and Gina from Almost Home No-Kill, which is a 501c3 nonprofit and complete no-kill organization located in West Bloomfield that strives to save homeless, abused, and neglected animals. Let's get started. Hello, Gail and Gina. How are you? Good. Good. How are you guys? So good. I mean, the holidays are upon us. So I feel like you can't be in a bad mood, right? Mm-hmm. Never. The holidays make us the happiest. <laughs> Love it. Well, so we always kind of start off with how everyone got sucked into animal welfare. So maybe, um, Gail, if we can start off with you, how, how did you first get involved in helping animals? Sure. Well, I've always loved animals. Ever since I was a little girl, I had a pet squirrel. I had a pet rat. I had all kinds of pets that my mom wasn't very happy with. And so I was never able to have a dog or a cat. So now I have 150 of them because we're rescuing them every day. I started off volunteering at different organizations, um, my daughter and I. And uh, we were really disheartened because there was so much euthanasia. It was every time we went to a, a shelter, we would find out that they were euthanizing. And then we finally found a place that called themselves no-kill philosophy. And then we found out every Monday they were euthanizing totally adaptable animals. But of course, Lauren and I, my daughter, we think everybody's adaptable and we always make them adaptable. We volunteered there for quite some time until it became very disturbing to see an animal and then know that they were put to sleep. So there were 62 animals there that were left that were in what they called the death room. And Lauren and I made it our mission to save every one of them. So we got in good with the um, assistant manager there. And I talked to her and I told her, I said, I'll find homes for them. Just give me a chance. I'll keep them in my house. I'll put them in kennels. I'll do whatever I can so that you can trust me. And she trusted me and Lauren. And we took out 62 dogs and cats that they claimed unadaptable. They were so adaptable. I adopted them out in a couple of weeks. It was insane. Everybody wanted them. They were so adorable. So anyway, I did that. And then the manager found out and she fired us. Oh, so no. Lauren and I, she didn't want us working there anymore because I guess it didn't look good to her. So we had to do something. We wanted to start our own rescue. So that's what we did. We started our own rescue. We went to different organizations that were of, of the kill nature and we would go down the corridor and they would give us a list at the a shelter and they'd give us a list of all the dogs and cats that were going to be euthanized. And we'd walk down the corridor and we'd look and we'd look and we'd look and then we'd start crying and we'd, they'd look at us and they'd go, well, who are you going to take? And I said, I'll take all of them. So that's what I did. I don't know how I they had a van at the time and I stuffed them in the van and I brought them in my basement and I had kennels set up and that's how it all started Lauren and I and then Gina came in that's amazing 
Yeah, I started uh, with Almost Home back in 2016 as a kennel worker when we had a building and we weren't foster based. And I uh, was going to go to vet school and I wanted to get something in the animal field. And I started working at Almost Home and fell in love with the people and the animals and the philosophy. And ever since then, I've been working with them. Once we became foster based, I actually became the shelter rescue manager. Right now, my main focus is coordinating transport, helping those in need. Um, A lot of kill shelters around the U.S., a few other rescues that are in poorer areas that have a huge population with uh, strays and animal bay and neuter overpopulation down there in Arkansas. So we've been working with a great group down in Arkansas for about six months, and we've saved over a thousand animals already. We do probably close to 50 every two weeks. And we have over, uh, I'd say our list is over 200 foster homes right now. So we have a really great group of foster homes that and foster families that are, you know, willing to help out and take these homeless animals in need that we take. And a lot of them do have medical issues that we are uh, pulling. So we always need help with raising funds for their medical needs. And that's where Cuddly comes in as well. And a lot of the animals from Arkansas are really, really in bad shape. I've never seen anything like it before. I thought Michigan was bad, but really Mm -hmm. Bruno, Sadie, all of them, their stories are so profound. It's so wonderful to, to take them and make them happy and take care of their medical and find them loving homes. They've never had that before. Mm -hmm. Is there a trend of certain kind of illnesses or certain kind of abuse that you see? in the area you're in now compared to Michigan or compared to where you were before? What do you think, Gail? Well, I think there's the Lyme disease because they Mm -hmm. have a tick problem. Almost every single dog that we get and cat have ticks all over them. I don't know if you guys saw Bruno's picture. Heartworm. It's a huge thing as well. Lyme disease. Yeah, Lyme disease. Almost all of them. Worms. We always get them tested for the tick and Lyme. And a plethora of worms. Every kind of worm you can imagine they have. Every kind of seed, every kind of tick, every kind of flea, it's incredible. It really is. Well, that's so amazing too, that you're able to like step in and connect with these other organizations that are probably just at their wits end. They don't even know what to do with all these animals. And you're able to then like, for lack of a better word, like redistribute them into places where they can be adopted. I think that's just such a wonderful thing to do. I mean, after speaking with some other rescues who just feel like they're caught like between like a rock and a hard place trying to get these animals adopted, but they have no one to donate and no no one to adopt out to. And and everyone's in kind of like a hard spot that they have the amazing rescue partners like you that are able to like raise their hand and be like, we have space, we can help. Yeah, we have a huge network and um, we have about 90,000 uh, Facebook fans it's getting bigger and bigger. And, you know, I've been doing this for 22 years. I've been doing this before Gina was born. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then with my daughter, my daughter's 39. I won't tell you how old I am. We've really developed like a household name. It's, it's incredible how people just call us and you're walking down the street with an Almost Home t-shirt on and somebody come up to you and say, oh, I adopted from Almost Home. My mother did. My sister did. It's just, it's so wonderful that we've created this network And that we could help Artemis from the ones from Arkansas because they don't have anything. They were washing their blankets by hand and laying them in the driveway. And we sent them washing machines and dryers and 
a sink. They didn't have a sink. They're in their glory. You'd think that they were in heaven, but they're, they're so grateful. And we're so grateful to them because they don't have, they have the ability to save the animals, but they don't have the resources that we have. We have incredible resources. Absolutely. I mean, it's certainly in comparison, I'm sure you could, you could always use a little bit more. <laughs> it just means you can help that many more animals, right? Yeah. Yeah. The support we get, the more we can help. So that's how we, we take it in. So we love our followers. We love our donors, but we can't keep going without them. Our medical bills are really, really tough though. That's our medical bills reach about a hundred thousand dollars a year. So you guys really help us out a lot. I don't know what we would do without you guys, actually. I mean, it's so wonderful to just hear like the stories, I think, and to know that like partnering with people like you, it's like not just helping your rescue and people in your immediate community, but like you're connecting and you're reaching out and being like, who needs help? (laughs) And you're sending sinks, washing machines. That's incredible. It's rescues helping rescues, really. Rescues helping rescues. And I just want to spread that more. And it's, they have the same philosophy. And, you know, there's a percentage where shelters will like consider themselves no kill, but they're truly, honestly, no kill. Like they are an amazing group. And yeah, we, we both are. And just the, we vibe so well. And it was nice meeting people that have the same philosophy as us. Hard to find. Hard to find. It's really hard to find. Definitely. And I mean, touching on what you said, Gail, I mean, when I first came into animal welfare, I had no idea that people could call themselves no kill and still like not necessarily be no kill, that they just are under a certain threshold. It's bizarre that they've created that that kind of gray area for them to reside. And I do understand in some places that maybe certain things are unavoidable, but it was heartbreaking to know that Everyone thinks they're supporting a, a no-kill organization, and that may not be the case. We always say we're never kill. We're a pure never kill organization. And a lot of people are like, why are you saying that? Why are you saying never kill? There are people like, like you that didn't know. I didn't know. When I went to volunteer at that shelter where they were euthanizing animals every Monday, I had no idea that they were euthanizing animals because they called themselves no kill. Absolutely. Well, and so Gina... Does that mean that are you going to school still to becoming a vet? Rescue is 24-7. I, I, my plan was, I mean, my relationship with Gail and Lauren and almost home, I, I just wanted to do more and there was always something and I kind of got caught up in it. And I'm busy enough with the rescue life right now. I don't know if I could take on school, but someday I hope to. Gina's so busy. She, her work is incredible. I don't even know how she does it. It's like, she's just, you're just amazing, Gina. You really are. Thank you. It's true, but you do it from your heart. It's all natural. And I you, know, and, yeah. you know, I know I've taught you a lot too, because you've asked me a lot of questions like, how did you, you know, do transports? How did you mm-hmm. do this? How did you do that? And everything that I tell you, you have absorbed and you, you really, really get it, get it more than any. I mean, I almost feel like you're my little soulmate. Yeah. You know, like you're, you're my daughter, you know, that's how I feel so close to you. Yeah. Well, and I mean, because people won't be able to see this, but like Gina's currently like petting a dog, like just like holding him in her lap. No, he's literally like just like still working. Right <laughs> literally can't stop with her like little foster effort, <laughs> even in the middle of this. He came from the Artemis Project, actually. He came down from Arkansas. I was down there helping them out. And um, we, I came back with a transport of 50 animals. And uh, Max was never picked for transport. All of his 
uh, siblings got picked. And when I went down there, him and I, we just, we linked and we just fell in love. And he is such a good dog. He's great with people, other animals, kids, cats, and they got him because he, his previous owners kept him and six other dogs in a five by five pen outside their whole lives. So he had no interaction with people. He um, has no cartilage in his knee. So he might need two new knee replacements because he was never exercised or moved around. So it never developed, but he's really sweet and he's on his road to hopefully some new knees here soon. Yeah. And it's going to be hard for you to let go of him. I know Gina. Mm-hmm. And say that that's incredible for an animal to be so isolated and yet still be so kind and so trusting right away to somebody. Exactly. The Artemis dogs are amazing. I don't think we've had one dog that's had any kind of issues as far as temperament. They're just so loving. I can't wait till my, my scruffy that I got from Artemis, I can't wait till he sees snow. Oh, I know. Oh. Yeah. Max, Max is figuring it out. Like, cause it's, cold and snowy today i'm like crap i should have put your sweater on you're freezing we're gonna have to bring all those sweaters when we go do the transport somebody knit it during the pandemic she's just so bored she knit about i don't know 50 or 60 sweaters so we're going to bring them to the transport and put them on the dogs when they get off because they're not going to know what happened to them it's freezing and they're in the hot weather their whole life right Oh my gosh, you need to do a picture of that. Like I need a video of all these amazing dogs and sweaters. That sounds like a Christmas miracle in itself. Like mm-hmm. like seeing snow for the first time too. I've seen those videos and they're so fun. Mm-hmm. So sweet. Well, so I'm sure like with so many other businesses and organizations, things have probably changed a bit in the past couple months or maybe not. I mean, so how have things been going for you? Things have been better, actually. People are home a lot, so they all want animals for companionship. They're bored. There's a lot of people that never even knew that they wanted an animal, and then they they took it, came on board with us, and they're like, I want more, I want more. So um, it's really, uh, we have a plethora of, of fosters because they're, they're really, you know, be, people are blacked up, and they want some companionship. And it's a great time to get a dog while you're working from home. If you want a puppy, great time to help train it. You have all the time being home. So we get a lot of people that are looking to adapt now because they're home and they can train the dog while they're younger, which is great. And I love as well. So, you know, I feel like all of like all these quarantine dogs like are going to be like hyper social after this. Like they're just going to like need to be around people like all the time. Yeah, they adapt really well. It's amazing. I, they're a miracle dogs. They really are. Aren't they, Gina? How they just adapt just like that. Like my scruffy dog, I love him. He's my heart. It's like, I can't wait to get home to see him. He's got such a personality. All these dogs from, I don't know why. Why do you think that is from Arkansas that they're so amazing? Yeah, they are. They just, they don't, they just, I mean, a lot of them are outside their whole lives. And we've had a few that the owners have moved away and they leave them behind or there's, they shoot them. We've taken a few that have been shot or uh, hoarding, a lot of hoarding. And I think once they get here and they get that one-on-one, they just can't get enough of it. And they're just so loving and thankful that, you know, they don't want you to go out of their sight. That is so amazing because I feel like you hear so much about like, and I'm sure there still is like a need for decompression and like just like the trauma of whatever it is they've experienced. And I can't even imagine like then a transportation, like, I mean, these dogs 
Maybe now they love the car though, because they're like, it brought them to you. My scruffy won't, he doesn't like the car at all. He was in, on the truck for 14 hours and keeps throwing up every time I take him somewhere. I'm trying to give him, you know, different medications, but he freaks out when he goes in the car. How's yours, Gina? Oh, he's great. Oh, Max, Max was really good. He uh, didn't even go potty in it. So he, um, he's good. I think it might just depend on the, like all these dogs have different stories. So there's like things that they don't like if it, think of something in their past. Yeah, no, no issues with Max. Yeah, because Scruffy just, he just freaks out. And when he's home, he thinks he's all that. You'd think he had, he had so much confidence. But not when he gets in a car. And say maybe maybe he thinks that you're leaving or I don't know, something like that. I feel like that's how um, Amy, who you guys know, who you work with, her kitty really, really freaks out on car rides when they're leaving the apartment. And she believes it's because he's so attached to her that he thinks that they're going to the vet, that they're going somewhere scary, that they're leaving their comfort zone or something like that. So that's that's her theory. But you're, you're totally right. I think every animal is a little different. That's exactly right. You don't know what's going through their minds, mm-hmm. but you have to figure it out. Oh, I know. I, it's heartbreaking. You just wish you could just say like one sentence to your dog, like, mm-hmm. like you're, you're going to be okay. So you've seen fosters go up. You've seen adoptions go up. How have, how's fundraising and, and other elements been going for you? Do you typically have like events or? We're really hurting as far as financially because we used to have like Subaru used to throw like a huge event during Christmas. It was our favorite thing. They'd have Santa Claus and the animals would sit Santa's lap and we'd get pictures and we would sell sweatshirts and t-shirts and all kinds of paraphernalia that we had. We can't do it now because of the pandemic. Audrey called us from Subaru and she was crying. She said, I, this is my favorite thing, favorite time of the year and you guys can't come. That's so heartbreaking. I know. I feel like all the fun Rescue events happen around the holidays too. And I think everyone is holding out, hoping that there's still a chance. But at this point, that's so hard and heartbreaking. Well, I mean, so I know you're constantly taking in animals. Are you constantly pulling from shelters or do you take in strays or or how do you do that? Um, We do owner surrenders. We pull from other shelters and we also help um, like if someone has found an animal and it's been on stray hold and they can't keep it. We help rehome the animal. Yeah. So everything. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's just about everything. Yeah. We do it all. I mean, there's always some, there's always an animal in need. I mean, I wish we could save them all realistically. We can't, but I mean, we do a great job for how many we can take. We definitely push our limits with what we can handle for sure. We could do so much more if we had a facility. That's another thing that we're trying to save for as a facility place for them to not only be safe, not only feel safe, but to be safe. And we know, we know, that's why we love our organization so much is because we know what happens to every single dog and cat and bunny. Bunny. Yeah, I have taken bunnies before. Not, we're not a bunny rescue, but when they ask, sometimes it's hard to say no. So, but the bunny got rehomed, so it's all well. So got adopted, which is great. But no, we do not take in bunnies, everyone. And Artemis <laughs> tries to give us goats and pigs. Yeah. Maybe one day we could do more farm animals. I, I love all animals. So need some land and need a building to keep them. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. I mean, in the very least, like just a hub, I can imagine like a place where like you can facilitate like adopters coming in or or different little things. I know the rescues that I've worked with too, it's like a lot of it is like, 
in their garage and <laughs> and you're showing up and it's like you feel bad because you're like, oh, you, like you don't want to be like, don't forget to clean up today. We have an adopter coming. Right. Yeah. I have one coming to my house for math later tonight. And I'm like, we got to meet. We'll meet. I'll meet you outside. Dress warm. Wear a mask. Like, so. Well, yeah, I'm wondering if there's a particular story that each of you kind of hang on to when you're going into a shelter to pull a dog or when someone's maybe surrendering a dog and it's particularly heartbreaking that like really sticks with you and gives you like a little bit of courage to be like, we can help this one. Like, Oh, well, I, there's one. And when I used to rescue from the dog pound in Michigan, there was a dog that I, nobody wanted. She was really old. She was a little sheltie. And they were going to euthanize her. And I saw the manager and I said, I would like to take that dog. And, and he said, what are you crazy? You could take that cute little beagle over there. And I said, no, I, I want her. I called her Sadie. He said, okay. And you could pick her up the next day. So I called the next day and Steve answered the phone, the guy that answers the phones. And he said, I said, I want to come get Sadie, the little Sheltie. And he says, oh, she's in the euthanasia room. And I'm like, oh my God. He says, yeah, she, they already sedated her. She's ready to, ready to go. And I begged him, I started crying and I said, please, please, you know, you've got to, you got to let me go there and, and get her, tell Heidi now, right now that I'm going to get her. And he says, well, I'll try. So he stalled her. I went in there and there she was laying on the euthanasia table and I was sobbing and, and they took all the, they had all kinds of needles in her and stuff. And they had given her a very, very heavy duty sedative. And I picked her up and she threw up all over me and she defecated. And the Heidi was just, Heidi started crying. She said, Gail, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I didn't know you were going to take her. Nobody told me. And I took her. I found the best home in the whole entire world for her. She lived like maybe five years, which was great because she was probably 12 years old when I took her. So that's one of my stories for Sadie. That's a really good story. You're such a rescuer. I know. She is. Yeah, she really is. I mean, that's that's a solid role model right there. Just like coming in and being like, everyone stop. And that's heartbreaking that it even got to that point, of course. But thank, thank goodness for you. And I mean, especially the idea that they're like trying to pawn off another dog on you. Yeah, exactly. That's so bizarre. Well, and just the fact that she lived five more years, like five years after, like, isn't it like you could, you know, rescue a 13 year old, a 14 year old, and they still have so much life in them. If you're willing to just, you know, support them and whatnot. It's that's amazing. Just to know that she lived that much longer. When I was with almost all my first adoptee was a 12 year old beagle that had cancer that almost home, like no one would adopt her. She had uh, like five different types of cancers, but almost home, they did chemo for her. They did all the mass removals, biopsied them. And they just always made sure that she lived the longest, best life um, while she was with our rescue and me. So she was a special girl. You should show them the pictures. Oh yeah, she's got crystal blue eyes. She was from a, a kill shelter as well on the euthanasia list. Um, and almost home had her for, I don't know, what, I think oh, maybe five, six months. So she was there for a while, longer than that, maybe closer to a year. And she, her owner originally uh, died and the family member took her to a, a kill shelter and they were, she was on the list and almost home contacted them and they pulled her and she lived a great, 
for three years with me. I mean, she had her medical issues. You can't beat cancer, but we tried and we did everything we could for her. And you, you got to show them those pictures of her at your wedding. Oh, yeah. She, I know. Yeah. My engagement photos. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. She, yeah, she's spoiled. She is beautiful. Oh, Louie. Louie's another one. My other dog. He's another one. He came from a kill shelter in Kentucky. My fiance was working down there and it was Valentine's Day. And I begged him to go to the shelter and pick up two dogs that was that were on the euthanasia list because the, the rescue coordinator emailed me and he wouldn't do it. And I begged him. Well, he ended up going there. And when he went to pick Luigi up, uh, Louie was tied to a pole in the lobby and he was just sniffing trying to sniff at my fiance and they're like oh that's weird he wouldn't let anyone go near him I think he likes you and my fiance's like really all right you know let's see how he likes the car you know Louie just got right in the car like he knew what he was doing when he got back to Michigan my fiance begged me to take him home but I had my angel at the time who had the medical issues and I was like no I already have my hands full find him a great home well here Luigi is on the couch two years later (laughs) So, yeah. Oh my gosh, what a fiance to go actually pick up dogs for you and to beg you to keep them. Yes. Can he call my boyfriend and right. give him some tips? So now he doesn't say no. He did a few transports for me after that because he travels for work. And I'm like, oh, you're mm-hmm. in Indiana? Let me see if the, you know, <laughs> the shelter needs any help. So wherever he goes now, I'll call. You know, So he's our little almost home transporter. Oh, amazing. You know, most... A lot of girls prefer diamonds, but you, you prefer rescue dogs. <laughs> no, this is a, no. I always say uh, we just pay the mortgage. It's the dog's house, so <laughs> they live here. <laughs> That's so true. That's amazing. So it sounds like you do a lot of transport, then, huh? Oh yeah. You never know what's going to hit you. We were we're doing another transport next week, and I told Artemis Project, let's take a break for two weeks. Nope, here we are again. Their transport canceled that they were supposed to work with next week, and they called us in a panic. So no worries, we got you guys. So here we are. Uh, we're still looking for fosters, but we're hoping to fill them all up before the next transport on the 24th. So lots of, uh, there's a few heartworm-positive dogs, a couple uh, mama and puppies, some bully mixes, small breeds, cats. We're taking it all, a nice collection. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah. That sounds like a, yeah, a little like sampler circus. Everyone likes different things. So, I mean, the bullies, it's hard to to place in our area, in the West Winfield area. But I mean, once you find those special bully people, they're, they're great. And they know their breed research and they're just great people. A lot of, a lot of the times used to do events at Motor City Harley Davidson and Oh, yeah. Those bikers, do they love pities? I love it. They're, they're, they're such great people and they're down to ride. And we've, we've met some cool people, some cool dog lovers. So, Oh my gosh. Yeah, it sounds like it. Wow. I like that you're like, no, we got to pick a little bit of something for everyone. <laughs> we do not judge. We do not dim- uh, discriminate, uh, discriminate against the breeds for sure. So there's, there's a home for everyone. And I, I strongly believe in that. Well, I'm wondering, because we work with a lot of like smaller organizations, like sometimes like one in two people running a rescue. Gail, I'm sure you can empathize. I'm sure that's how it started out with you. Just like a couple of people trying to do as much as possible. But I'm wondering if you have any advice for a rescue really trying to get into transport. 
Well, first of all, I, I would tell everybody to stay small in the beginning. Don't try to overdo it. As far as getting into transport, you can go online and there's all kinds of transports there that you can find. And you can, you know, there's some in Tennessee, there's in Kentucky. You just have to make a plan and you have to be willing to be consistent because they depend on you. I mean, I remember when it was Thanksgiving and there was a a dog that was uh, pregnant. Her name was Sugar and she was in Ohio and none of the rescues were available. They weren't being consistent. They weren't calling. And especially because the holidays, they kind of drop out. You can't do that. Holidays are really busy no matter what. You can't stop. And I remember Sugar, they used the gas chamber in, in Ohio. She was pregnant and they put her in the chamber. She didn't die. And so they pulled her out and the volunteer called me hysterical. She said, I just can't do this. It's Thanksgiving. I can't do this. Please, will you take her? I drove all the way out to Ohio with my daughter. We picked her up and she had her puppies and they all got adopted. And she got adopted with one of her puppies. I remember that. And that was a really long time ago. That had to be like maybe 15, 16 years ago, at least. But I remember. I mean, yeah, that's what a heartbreaking story. Um, and I'm sure you you saved you saved her Thanksgiving because I can't even imagine having to do that. Nonetheless, having to do it twice, that just sounds so heartbreaking. But what great advice. I mean, starting small, that's like the thing that's so hard, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're like, I can help all of them. But I think even like starting with just one dog, I mean, you've made a concrete difference in that one dog's life. That's so smart. And then with like so many things in this world, consistency is key. I mean, sometimes you can be really bad at something, but as long as you're consistent, you like that makes you a success. That's such great advice. I mean, for so many things. We work from our heart too. You know, it's just that people will say, well, why are you spending so much money on Bruno, for example? When you can save so many other dogs and I'd look at them and I'd say, but I don't know those other dogs. I know Bruno. Why wouldn't I want to save him? And it's so personal. Each animal is so personal to you and you love them so much like they're your own, especially when you foster them and especially when you save their lives and and have cared for them, made them better after having a horrible battle with heartworm or cancer or diabetes. So there's so many illnesses out there and we do it all. We never turn our back ever. We don't care if they're maimed or beautiful or old or young or healthy or sick. It doesn't matter to us. I mean, we, we make them all better, all of them. So, so wonderful. Definitely. And I mean, I feel like it's, it's so amazing to hear about like how you started. And of course, now you're like, no dog is unadoptable. We'll figure out a way to get them to where they need to be, whether it's in Gina's house for three years. <laughs> right. It's just such a wonderful mission. Um, and I mean, I'm sure you've blessed so many homes for people who have adopted dogs. But of course, I mean, now you're even like spreading the love a little bit further with all of these organizations that you're supporting. And I would like to just say one other thing. I'm sorry. I just oh, wanted yeah. to say, I don't want people to think that we're fanatics and that we you know, don't euthanize because we do. If we have a dog or a cat that is so sick and there is nothing that can be done, the vet says there's no quality of life. Of course, we're going to euthanize and put the, the dog or cat out of their misery. We don't want them to suffer. But if the vet says, oh, well, you know, it's going to cost $5,000, we find a way as long as there's going to be quality of life. And as far as temperament, 
we've never euthanized for temperament ever. We've sent them away. They, there's boot camps out there and they're expensive. But we, when you love and you care, you, you just find a way somehow. I don't know how it happens. It just does. And I feel like it is so hard to, like, especially with temperament to like raise those funds because they tend to be a bit more like hidden and invisible. And you're like, help this dog, like find a better temperament. And people have this like weird idea in their head of like, well, it's a bad dog. And it's like, no, <laughs> like it's just had a bad upbringing and give him a chance. Right. Product of the environment. Yeah. So, I mean, these animals are so lucky that they have you in their corner. And we're very particular where we place our animals. Uh, our, our adoption process is very, uh, our application is very lengthy. We do vet checks, interviews, home checks. So we, we don't just give them away. I mean, they're like we said, like they're all very important. They all have names. They don't have numbers. We know who everyone is. So as far as that too, I mean, tell me about your adoption process a little bit more because when you adopt out a dog, and we've heard this from a few different organizations about how you really become part of their community and it becomes like a bit of a family. Cause I know like for me, all the, all the animals I've fostered, it's like, I want those pictures. Like people who are like kind of go overboard with like sharing their pet photos. I'm like, give them all to me, please. (laughs) (laughs) So is that, do you guys have like a little community where once people have adopted from you, you guys all stay in touch and have little like hangouts? Well, yeah, we need a park. (laughs) Well, I was saying a lot of the times, like I know when like litters are adopted, I'll like offer people like to connect via email so they can get like the brothers and sisters together, like while they grow up and keep in touch. And it's happened for a few litters. And I love seeing those updates because they, they'll message us on Facebook or the comments on our posts. So whenever we get happy tales, we'll always tell all of our followers, inbox us, message us your updates. And we'd love to see them and share them with everyone else because we keep track of everyone and we love the updates. And even if they're, you know, an older, uh, a couple older dogs, like we had Liam and his brother and uh, they were adopted out separate, but when they were adopted, we linked up the two adopters and they have play dates now and they go hiking together and they, they only live 15 minutes from each other. And it was like fate because we didn't realize that, you know? So I love when they can link up and keep in touch and it's like a happy ever after for them. And many people, they think that it's grueling to fill out our applications too. They don't understand that, you know, this, it's like adopting a child and they say that. And we said, yeah, it is. It's like adopting a child. So we get abused sometimes. <laughs> people get mad at us. Except eventually a child will grow up and move out. Right? The dog never does. Right. Yeah. That's so fun too, because I can imagine like connecting with like a siblings, like and being like, "Hey, does he do this weird thing?" Because yeah, <laughs> yeah, I love it. Oh my gosh, that's like a fun to compare notes. Like, oh, he's just a weirdo. Okay, good to know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, so do both of you have personal pets, or are you just filled with fosters at this point? No, Luigi actually adopted, so he's not online anymore. So Matt. I know. Max is probably getting adopted tonight. Yeah. I know. I wish. I'm having a hard time with him, but he just makes it so hard. I know. You keep sending me pictures and making me cry, Gina. I know. I also have two cats. So I have two cats and a dog that are mine. And I have, I have three rescue dogs and a rescue cat. One of them, Zoe, actually, she came from Ohio too. She was taped up in a, a shoebox with holes in the shoebox 
and she was left at the step of a kill shelter. And it, once again, I, I had a really good rapport with all these people, all these volunteers that worked there. It was the volunteers that would call me. And she was, again, once again, crying about Zoe, that she was left in a box and it was a shoebox and it was taped up with holes in it. How can anybody do this? And she was just venting and going crazy on me. And I said, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. I feel the same way. Send her to me. She said, I can't send her. You have to come pick her up. Sure enough, Lauren and I got in our car. We drove all the way to Perry, actually, this Perry County, and picked up my Zoe. So, and my other dog, Forrest Gump, I call him because he's a, he's a little slow. He's a, a wire haired dachshund, and he was in a hoarding situation. And then I've got Scruffy, and then I've got a little kitty cat that they couldn't breed anymore. She's called a Devon Rex, and she's beautiful. Her name's Charlotte. And they were going to put her to sleep because they couldn't breed her anymore. And so I took her. I gave them money. I said, take my money. I don't care. I want her. I don't want anything to happen to her. Oh my gosh. She rolls the house. She's really up next. <laughs> I love her, but she's like, oh my gosh, she won't leave anybody alone. Oh my gosh. My friend had one of those and the same personality. Like everyone was just a subject in, in her kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, that's so amazing too, to hear like about all these personal relationships you have and like how they're, they're saving animals lives too. Cause I feel like it's so easy to be like, people are so terrible. It's us against the world and, and we have to save these dogs and I'm in it alone kind of a thing. But it sounds like you've connected with such amazing people who are reaching out to you and like, please help me, please help me like change this system one dog at a time. That's incredible that and I mean, the fact that you're probably on their speed dial. We talk every day. We have we have a group chat and we talk every day, literally. Every day doesn't matter. Mid- midnight, four in the morning. I'm like, what are you doing up at four in the morning? Oh, we got in a mom with 12 puppies. Can you take? Like, oh Gina, gosh. don't you wish that other, res- other rescues would work with other rescues? There's so many politics involved. It's so hard to yeah. find. We are so grateful with Artemis because they're so loving and so caring and they're not on a power trip. They just care about the animals and they care about the people that care for the animals. A lot of rescue people, they, they're just in for it for the power and, and glory and it's competition. And I, I don't understand it. I've done, done this for 22 years. This is the first time, the very first time I've met a rescue that's sincere. And I love them. And I really hope that they can grow because they've only been around for a year. I've been around for 22 and I wish the best for them. I, there isn't anything I wouldn't do for them. That's so sweet. And I'm sure with you at like at their side, like I'm sure they'll grow and do such amazing things. I mean, already it sounds like they have. So it's incredible. No, but I, I totally agree because it, it is so hard in rescue and it is bizarre to be like, you want to have a power trip in this situation? <laughs> like... <laughs> A lot is like that. It's very political. It's a very dark world out there. I just won't deal with any rescues anymore. I, I used to want to help them all, but they just stab you in the back. I, mean, I hate to sound so cynical, but that's why I'm so, so excited about Artemis. It's like, I want to just take everybody in that group and just hug them and kiss them and tell them how much I appreciate them. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. It's like your rescue crush. like <laughs> <laughs> Right? Oh. Well, so we have some kind of fun questions for like your, I guess you can do your foster pets if you want, but usually we do personal pets. So we'll start with you, Gail. 
If one of your dogs were president, what would be the first thing they did? They would create peace throughout the world. All, all three of them together? Or is there one specific? I think all three of them, they're the kindest dogs. I mean, outside of Charlotte, I don't know what she would do. She'd probably start chaos and everything. My cat. My three dogs are the most loving, caring animals. I mean, you can do any, my grandkids come over and I know they shouldn't pick them up, but Scruffy wants them to pick them up. He likes it. Harry is carrying them all over the place. And I just think that that's the most important thing to my animals, that everybody gets along and, and loves everyone. It's so much easier to love than it is to hate. And there's so much hate and division in this world lately worse than I've ever seen it in my whole lifetime. And that's what my animals would do. They would say, I want, I don't even want there to be Democrats and Republicans. I want it to be all one. All one. I shouldn't say that. I guess that's kind of political, but. Oh, no. I think we all agree that we all agree with your, with your dogs. So, I mean, yeah, you're so lucky too, to have them all like synchronized in that one mindset. You don't have like a, like a a troublemaker in the bunch, it sounds like. (laughs) (laughs) What about you, Gina? Honestly, I'd probably say for coming from them, unlimited treats and toys because they are always waiting by the, the cookie jar and Max always hides the toys looking for new ones. So definitely unlimited treats or toys for these guys, for all the dogs, if they were president. You just doomed yourself by saying the T word too. <laughs> now they're all gonna... <laughs> no, look, they're still asleep. Uh-oh. <laughs> O-U-T is the word. Well, so Gail, what is one trick one of your dogs has taught you? Or I guess I can say one of your pets, but every morning, I don't know if it's trick or not, but they want breakfast. So uh, Scruffy jumps right on top of my, well, he said they all sleep with me. So Scruffy will jump right on top of my head and lick my whole face and he won't stop. He's strong and I can't get him off of me until I go downstairs and 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 make his breakfast. And then he's as happy as a lark. Then he wants to go outside and go potty because when he goes outside to go potty, he gets to have a treat. So that's his trick, I guess. He's he's manipulative. Yeah. He's food oriented like me. It's like, I'll do anything if I get a little snack to come along with it. (laughs) So Gina, what about you? I mean, it doesn't have to be like a trick trick. Well, how about what's one, one thing they've taught you? Maybe one habit. Let's say it like that. I'm really, I don't know. I'm really bad with the table scraps with the begging eyes. But um, <laughs> I mean, they have to try what I'm trying as long as it's safe for them, for sure. I give in pretty easily. I was sleeping in bed with me. It was supposed to just be uh, Luigi, but then Max definitely just sits and whines and gives me those eyes. So I got to give him a little boost up on the bed. <laughs> <laughs> now you have your cat coming in for some love too. I know. This is my Zoe. That's Zoe too. And then Max is right here still. Like he just doesn't care. He's just he actually likes cats. So. It's like your Ace Ventura. Like <laughs> I know all the animals are coming to you. <laughs> I know. Yeah, the other one's gonna come up here in a minute. I can tell. I have a blue Russian and she's Miss Nosy. By the end you're just like buried in, in animals. I know. An animal. An animal hair. Well, yeah. That's a given. <laughs> So our last question is a little harder. So if you had to pick one life motto, what would it be? Mine would probably be, honestly, I just take it 
day by day. A lot of the times I overwhelm myself with taking it all in at once. And I need to like realize that there's more than just one day to get things done because with the rescue, like there's always something and I need to work on, you know, balancing my life is that's super important as well. Like the rescue is important, but my mental health is just as important too. So always <laughs> make sure you have time for yourself, uh, yourself as well as, you know, saving animals. I feel the same way. That's beautiful. You know, you, it is, it's really hard to balance. It's one of the hardest things to do. And if you don't balance, then you get really grouchy and burned out and you're no good. You're not doing anybody any good. So you really need to balance. And I, I agree with that. Balance your life. I love hearing that too, from like both of you who are doing so much and running this organization too. Cause I feel like if you have that mindset, it's like, trickling down to everyone you work with too. It's like, okay, I get it. You need a day or you need some time. Like we've all been there. <laughs> like we all need the balance. It's okay to admit it. Sometimes I'm like, I, I'm, I don't, maybe I shouldn't say something. Maybe I should just knock it out. I'm like, no, mental health first. Like Gail here, can you help me with this? And she's like, yep, I got it. So just it's nice when you have people to understand too. And they're not like mm -hmm. holding you because you need a day to yourself. Like, what do you mean? There's no break which I've heard that from people before with other rescue, like, like, well, we don't get any breaks. It's like, well, you're going to drive yourself crazy. So it's definitely important to take time to yourself. I mean, it sounds like when you have someone who has your back too, it's like more, you don't feel like you're letting things fall to the ground by taking a second too. It's like, no, I have a team that's going to have my back. So wonderful. Well, ladies, it was so nice to finally connect with you. I feel like I've all I hear about is almost home, no kill all the time uh -oh. <laughs> for the years I've worked with Cuddly. It's like you guys are like doing so much all the time and like helping these animals who otherwise would ha just not have anyone. So it's it's so amazing. You guys are so heroic. It's been a pleasure to finally put a face to all the amazing work you've been doing. Mm -hmm. oh, thank, thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, thank you. We loved speaking with Gail and Gina today. It's so inspiring to hear about their transport efforts and their never kill philosophy and how it's impacting their community as well as everyone all the way down to Arkansas. If you wanna learn a little bit more about Almost Home No Kill, you can find out more in our show notes or our blog. And remember to rate, like, and subscribe this podcast. We love hearing from you. So any reviews you guys leave are greatly appreciated. And also be sure to follow Cuddly on all social media accounts at We Love Cuddly, that's C-U-D-D-L-Y. Thanks, guys.